Shannon Show, Mo Kelly here, KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk in each and every December as we close out the year. If you're like me, you probably take stock of your life personally, where you are economically, maybe looking out across the landscape and see where we're going politically. All those things come together as we assess this year. This year, most of the conversation, I would say, in a general sense, would be where our economy is going. Depending on the news service, depending on the political ideology you follow, you may have very different conceptions of where we are economically and where we're headed in an economic sense. I just look at some general markers. The stock market is fine, provided that you are at a place in life or you have a 401k or you're playing the stock market specifically. The stock market is just one economic indicator, but it's not the economic indicator. You can look at unemployment. That's another one. You can look at housing. But most people, I believe, are not playing the stock market. A fair percentage of people who are struggling probably don't have a 401k or it's already been liquidated. And it just comes down to the availability of well-paying jobs. It depends on how corporations are doing on a certain level. But all these things feed into this general mood and feeling of how we're doing as an economy. And interestingly enough, despite the fact we may have had record gains in the stock market and we may have had record growth in terms of quarterly growth in the United States, people still are struggling on a certain level to maintain jobs that pay a fair wage, a decent wage, a livable wage. And many corporations are struggling to survive, not because of tax burdens, but just because our economy continues to evolve. Let me take you back to the end of 2016 and what was being forecast coming into 2017 for many employers and stores and retailers. This was at the end of the Obama administration coming into the Trump administration. You may remember JCPenney's announced that it was closing 140 of its department stores. And they offered 6,000 employees early retirement. This is just a year ago, just trying to give some perspective. And you wonder, was that a, a sign of good news or bad news? In other words, sometimes companies can lay off people and go through bankruptcy and restructuring, and they can come out better on the other side. We can use the big three automakers as an example. There are all sorts of examples of companies doing that. And even though it's painful in the short term, it helps them return to better health financially and economically And they grow from there. But also, Macy's began 2017 by announcing plans to close 68 more of its locations. And there's a point to all this. I want you to see the commonality. At the beginning of 2017, Sears Holdings announced it would close 42 locations. And you heard our news about Sears lately. It hasn't improved for them. Sears also announced at the beginning of this year that it would close 108 of its 801 Kmart discount stores. Pharmacy giant CVS announced it would be closing 70 stores in 2017. The Children's Place, a clothing store for kids, announced back in March 2015 that it would close approximately 200 stores through 2017. Wet Seal in 2017 
closed altogether with 171 store closings. And supermarket chain Whole Foods announced in early February of 2017 it would close nine U.S. stores. We see some food retailers. We see some big box retailers. But mostly in that list, you saw what? Mall-type stores closing. Department stores. Department stores. Retailers of, of a, are struggling because they have existed on a brick-and-mortar model. Now, let's see what is forecast for early 2018 or into 2018, these same types of businesses. Sears Holdings, it's not expected to survive at all in 2018. Wow. Radio Shack, Toys R Us, H.H. Gregg, all filed for bankruptcy in 2017. And the prognosis is much the same for them in 2018. May they survive, in other words, continue to exist, quite possibly. But will they return to where they were previously? Probably not. J.C. Penney, they're not seen as in the same dire straits as Sears. But as one friend told me, yeah, that's like saying they have one brain tumor as opposed to two. Does that mean you're actually healthy because you're healthier than the guy who's circling the drain? No, J.C. Penney's probably will struggle to make it out of 2018. Claire's Stores, that's a mall store. They probably won't make it out of 2018. J. Crew, and this was a, a big catalog retailer. And when I was in college many years ago, most of my friends would buy from J. Crew. They're very big, or were very big, on the East Coast back in the day. I like them. Where are you they're from, though? They're still, yeah, East Coast. They're still pretty big on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And they always have been. Uh, J. Crew, Land's End, that yep. type of, of, of clothing I've always liked. Rather expensive, but I've, bit, I've yep. rather, it was quality clothing. Right. And today it just seems like it doesn't have a place given their, their model and their profit margin. And people would rather go to Urban Outfitters around the corner. Well, I think to... I think it's also because these stores like H&M and Zara right? and all these other stores that are lower cost clothing that may be just as good. It's more appealing to a customer. And you have to find that price point where you have a, a mall store like mm-hmm. H&M still doing OK. Yeah. Still brick and mortar. But they found that they can offer their clothes. They they found a niche in, in the way that they can distinguish themselves by offering clothes at an affordable price as opposed to some of the other retailers, which are offering a lot of the same clothes, but much more expensive. But more turnover, too, because I feel like I can walk into a J. Crew and I know what I'm going to get. You're going to get the really colorful, solid sweaters. Solids, You're yes. going to get very, you know, crisp-looking pants, you know, staples, right? hmm And these other stores, you never know what you're going to get. So maybe people walk in a little more often. Maybe. Maybe. But also, I think it's just... J. Crew is for a different generation. Yeah. And I don't remember the last time I saw a J. Crew ad. I don't know how aware the millennial generation is of a store like J. Crew. I mean, I was around for them, but to be honest with you, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I simply can't remember the last time I saw one, you know, and it just goes in that same boat. Like if like Mervyn's and stuff like that, these classic oh, names. Well, you went deep with Mervyn's. <laughs> wow. I've been thinking about that. That was all a different open, generation. Open, 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 open. What, are you going to was... talk about Woolworth next? Oh, my oh. God. Can't go that deep. Can't go that But, yeah, these are the uh, Bullocks. Youth, you know? Bull- oh, my Orbox. God. Whoa. Oh, man. I do think that 
maybe you guys see different advertisements than, than say I would because I do see J Crew on Instagram and and Facebook. Wow. But maybe it's also because of stuff that I'm clicking, so they show me. You know, it's targeted marketing. I'm quite stuff. sure. Yes, absolutely. But I'm not seeing in a, a like a TV ad. I'm right, not right, seeing right. like mm-hmm. where the mass media would know about it. They're maybe not spending as much on billboards or right. whatever. Yeah. Right. And and maybe it's because they can't as opposed to they won't. Right. But I've seen H&M ads. For oh, for example. sure. Uh, so they're clearly they know who their target market is and they're being able to reach out to them. It's not that all mall stores are suffering, but the whole idea of a mall is suffering. Like Charlotte Roos. Did you ever shop there, Monica? Mm, no, that's not really my style, but I know it. Yeah. It's it's very similar to a Forever 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd know that wet seal I used is to a work, dead seal. I used to work at a store. My first job when I was 16, it was called Contempo Casuals. Yes, I remember it well. And all of them turned over into wet seals. Well... Were they owned by the Limited as well? I believe so. Oh, God, it was so long ago. Um, I believe so. During that same time period, I used to shop at a place called Structure. Yes. Yeah. And I love their clothes for men. Yeah. Structure and Structure Express and that kind of thing. But I think they've gone out of business. Or yeah, so did the Limited. Of, yeah. Closed most of their stores. And it seems like a clothing store can't find its footing today because people don't necessarily buy because of a brand. I thought for a while that Express was going to have the same fate, and it sort of reinvented itself, and Thank it's God. and it's back in a big way. I thought Gap was going to close for a while. I, I and really it did. Reinvented itself, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, old Bene- Navy, like all these all these stores, and I really like Old Navy. Yeah, now, that's a place where I will shop. I'm very conservative in terms of clothes. I'm not into prints and patterns. Like even today, I like solid colors. That's just who I am. I'm not real expressive. With my clothing, I prefer not to wear T-shirts. I always wear, for the most part, collared shirts on some level. And I always wear like a white undershirt because, you know, my mother, very strict. That's how you present yourself. Always got a a belt on. So a place like Old Navy resonates with me because that's the type of of clothing ethic that I was raised on. Right. Just kind of. How does how does Old Navy you know make it through when a company like Pennies or something like that doesn't? Is it because they have like a somewhat of an online presence too, and that's how they can kind of scrape by? Or I think Pennies is just perceived as just a generation gone Old by. If you've ever story. been in a, a JC Pennies recently, they're all drab. Yeah. I mean, they're not catering to anyone who's excited about shopping. Put it that way, Blake. Experience wise, I don't even want to deal with going into a Pennies. There we go. Yeah. Like I literally look at a Macy's or whatever and I'll be at the mall with my family and they're like, Oh, we're gonna go look for something in Macy's and please don't. <laughs> like I just like I don't I, the place is like it's like two Home Depots stacked on top of each right. other and all it is is clothes. Oh, you don't know what that's like. If it, you've ever been to the Macy's in New York. Oh, it's like five, seven stories. No, it's like seven no. floors. Yeah. So. It's not even worth it. Like even <laughs> if I want whatever clothes, even it's if beautiful. I even if I wanted jeans or whatever it is, it's literally not worth it for me to walk into that store and deal with going past all their makeup counters and their people trying to spray you with cologne just to get to the pants. But if you know what you want, like if you want like a Levi's thirty four, thirty two, whatever, you order it online. There it is. It's it's That's too big my of a point. deal. But like my, uh, there's an old navy right next to our movie theater uh, in in Glendora. It's right there. And me and my friend, if we get there 15 minutes early, we go. 
ah, we'll go walk around Old Navy and Tilly's for 15 minutes. We can, you know, that's that's easy. They're little tiny places. You can't, right. you don't get lost. You don't get enveloped in this whole big hoopla of everything that is a Macy's and a Penny's. And when you go to Macy's, you have to deal with usually the mall traffic, whatever that is. Right. You're not... You're not necessarily just going to encounter the people who are only going to Macy's. The parking lot is not only for people who are going to Macy's. You're still dealing with all of those ancillary things which come along with the shopping experience. Especially now, I don't want to go to a big box retailer because they're not a standalone store that I can just go and I can get X, Y, and Z and leave. I love buying Skechers, but I'm not going to the mall Skechers store. I'm going to the outlet. Which is really good, by the way, like 190th and and Vermont. If you want to go to a Skechers store, that is the one. It is gorgeous, beautiful, ample parking. You have no problems getting in and out. That was not a paid endorsement. But beyond that, you have some standalone stores and also mall store hybrids like Barnes & Noble. They're not expected to make it through 2018. What? Oh, I love Barnes & Noble. I better use my gift card quickly. I thought they were gone already. I'm just thinking of borders, maybe. But well, you think about the whole idea of a bookstore. They're fewer and fewer. And honestly, more and more people are, once again, buying their reading content. I don't want to say a physical book, but reading oh, content. Oh, like e-readers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Online. And with me, I'm doing a lot of audio books because I have a long commute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea of a physical book. Again, my, my Barnes & Noble time is usually a time killer. That's why I go oh, in there. I kind of I, I, I love, run a food. I, I love I, – well, I love reading – but I'll go in there and kind of just like, oh, they have that book. Oh, they have this book. And then if something sparks, I'll go home and order it off of Amazon. Yeah. If, if I use it as like a catalog. If I know the book that I want, why am I going to drive to Barnes & Noble? No disrespect to Barnes & Noble. When I know that I could order it with Amazon Prime and I'll right. have it tomorrow. And that's why it's a catalog for me. Is it's, yeah. a, it's a place for me to discover things that I didn't know they had before. And Amazon has perfected the delivery process where you get it in a day or maybe same day on some places. Why would I go through the trouble of rerouting my day to stop at a Barnes & Noble to see if they have the book that I want and maybe walk out with it then? If I can be patient for a few hours or so, I'm going to get that book without any of that inconvenience. It's hard for a business like that to stay alive when you're competing against now a well-developed economy in the sense that we are very comfortable with shopping online. We're, we're comfortable with banking online. We're, comp- we're comfortable with buying travel, plane tickets online. So there's very little that we won't do online. So why then would we put the middleman back in the process and then say, well, now we have to go pick it up ourselves when it will be delivered to us in a comparable amount of time? There's no point in that. And although I love Barnes & Noble, and I know that uh, my family, my mother loved Nine West, Nine West probably won't see oh. the end of 2018. I love Nine West, too. Most women do. Oh. And they had one at Delamo Mall, which was close to me. And it was a, it's, it's a really a specialty store. I mean, you're going in there looking sure. for very specific items. And I don't know to have that type of specificity. Whether that helps, well, I know it definitely doesn't help, but it definitely hurts in the sense of trying to bring in a lot of customers, especially when you're trying to pay the rent at a brick-and-mortar location. Sure, because there's a DSW right down the street, and they've got all the brands and all the 
I used to buy my shoes there, it's, too. Yeah. Oh, used to. I yeah, still go. The, the, yeah. DSW, it isn't close to be where I live now. There isn't a DSW, uh-huh. which is close. But, yeah, they had so much there at, at reasonable prices. I would definitely go to DSW. Yeah. But now, once again, why am I going to make that drive when I know my shoe size, I know the brand and the SKU, I know I can find it online with an official retailer for that brand and have it sent to me because I'm comfortable enough where – my shoe size is not going to change, and I know what brands fit well on my feet. Yeah. I'm comfortable with ordering online in terms of shoes. Ten years ago, no way in hell. But now it's at a point where I'm comfortable enough to give my credit card information or my PayPal information, and I'm comfortable enough to know that if it's not right, I don't have to jump through hoops to return it. That was also one of my um, reservations as far as buying certain items online. If it's not right, what do I have to do to either get my money back or get the product back and get the right one in return? Yeah. And now they've made it simpler for me to be able to do that. Here's more bad news. Speaking of shoes, Payless, not expected to make it. I can't tell you the last time I went into a Payless, though. I can, and I'll tell you why. I was going through foreclosure uh, during the height of the Great Recession, and I just needed some new shoes. And I could probably find some $12 shoes or whatever they were to fit my feet, and were, which were not sneakers per se. And there was the Payless, which was right around the corner from my house. And that was the last time I walked into Payless. Payless did serve a purpose for me and many people. But again, at this point, does it serve any practical purpose? Because inexpensive shoes, you can find inexpensive shoes without driving to the Payless, which are few and further in between now. But Payless is not expected to make it. There is a question about GNC as well. They filed for bankruptcy in September. Uh, they plan to close 124 of its 345 stores and sell off the rest to another company. You know what? I can and do get my vitamins online. The stuff I want to buy, like I usually use Super Beats. GNC doesn't offer it. But I can get that and other stuff very easily online why do i have to go to a physical location and fewer and fewer people clearly are going to that physical location i think a lot of people are getting healthier and more you know exercise oriented too so a lot of stores like you can find protein powder at target yeah. or yes you know protein bars at the gas station or whatever a lot more stores are offering the stuff that gnc does maybe this store it was just not in california perfume mania I'm not familiar. I don't wear perfume. I am. Where were they located or where did you find them? A lot. I mean, a lot in Florida. Um, They had standalone stores or in malls. Okay. They're more East Coast and Southern. Yeah. Every, every cologne and perfume you could basically think of was there for discounted price. Interesting story. I have a story to that. Uh, For my Christmas gift to my mother, we usually exchange gifts in terms of we make a list and we give it out to all the family members and say, Okay, I want this, that, and the other, and they just divvy up the list. And, and so people generally get what they ask for. And something my mother asked for was Elizabeth Arden perfume, Fifth okay. Avenue. Can't find it anywhere anymore. Really? eBay? I, unfortunately, getting there. Unfortunately, I, I had to go into the malls, you know, went to Macy's, went to Nordstrom, went to Sephora, went to the, the little perfume kiosk they have in every mall everywhere the no-name perfume store couldn't find it the only place in which you could find it online Mm -hmm. 
If I started there, I would have saved so much gas, so much time, so much walking. And so next time, what's the even point? I actually did that two weeks ago. I ordered perfume from eBay because they don't make it anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And it used to be that I only use eBay, for example, back when people use CDs in great uh, amounts. Quantity, yeah. That's where I would get music, which was out of print. eBay online retailers who said, even if it was a used copy, now it's the place where I just look for anything and everything. I will go to eBay first. Because I know more times than not, there will be a retailer and they have like an, their official online store. If they don't have a, a large online presence, somebody will have it on eBay. And that's why I love it more than anything in the world. Other people use like AliExpress, but I swear by eBay. And sometimes I'll use Amazon, but eBay is my usual go-to. My wife swears by Amazon Prime. Yeah. I, I just tried Prime for the very first time a um, couple – Actually, last week. Oh, gosh. Um, Amazon's giving 30-day free trials right now. This is the time to do it. Right. So I tried it. It was great. I'll I'll probably use it again. I will use it again. Interesting. My wife had an issue with Amazon Prime just on one item. It's just one specific item. She asked for it in a certain color. It arrived. It was the wrong color. Oh. She got on the line with Amazon and said, hey, we need to make this right. And unfortunately, she encountered a very snide salesperson who was not in the spirit of Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it was a discouraging experience. But ultimately, they said that they would get it right and send it again. I would be like, can I And they sent the manager? wrong color again. Can I speak to your manager? Yes. And that's, that's exactly, exactly yeah. that's exactly what happened. And and I always say, it's not my fault you hate your job. Yeah. I'm sorry it's the holidays. You're probably getting a billion calls just like this. But you chose this job. Right. And you know what day it is on the calendar. And you know that you're going to get calls with people who are dissatisfied with the service. And your job as a customer service representative is to represent the, the company and administer good customer service. It's not that hard. But as our economy continues to evolve, Amazon can't assume it's going to stay on top just because it's the best game in town. Because it won't be the only game in town. There will be other I'll say uh, Google has gotten into it as far as like Google selects, I believe, where you can order a lot of your household items through Google as well. They're trying to do the same thing that Amazon has done. Amazon obviously owns the market because they have all the factors of production in from the manufacturing to the distribution to the reseller market. And others are trying to duplicate that. But eventually others will catch up. But these businesses and companies and corporations that I listed for you are not expected to make it through 2018. Why that is? Because you should be able to see the forest for the trees. We are less and less dependent upon a brick-and-mortar facility to give us our goods and even services. And companies need to figure that out quickly, or they will be on next year's list. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon, KFI, AM640. More stimulating talk. Gary and Shannon Show, Mo Kelly here, KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. In my offline conversations, I find myself again and again and again discussing, debating, just getting into it regarding what the new laws are going to be like here in California regarding the legal use of marijuana in a recreational sense and how that impacts 
not only our public behavior, but our motor vehicle behavior. And KFI's own Andrew Mollenbeck joins me right now as we try to separate the truth from fiction in terms of what these DUI laws may mean for us in the new year with marijuana in the mix. Andrew, how are you, sir? Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Mr. Moe, happy holidays to you. What should I make of California, how it's going to look, how it's going to even smell in the new year, given the proliferation of legalized recreational use of marijuana? What's going to happen? Are we just going to go up in smoke, pun intended? (laughs) I hope not. Uh, Well, the CHP has put out some freeway signs that drivers may have seen, and they say drive high, get a DUI. And, of course, recreational pot becomes legal in the state next Monday. And police say with these signs, they're really trying to get out the word about any misconception that just because marijuana is legal, that doesn't mean drivers can become high rollers. And Officer Juan Galvan, who I spoke to earlier this morning, says uh, really the symptoms of driving high are similar to driving drunk. They all exhibit the same uh, precursors, whether it be weaving, uh, lethargic speech, you can smell it, um, and we run them through the same test. The only thing that we do not have is the uh, breathalyzer. So he says with these signs, it's really warring against any misconception about smoking weed and then driving. You can still get a DUI um, or drive under the influence and be arrested for, for driving under the influence of marijuana. So obviously, with just a couple of days to go, the CHP is trying to get out the word that you can actually get a DUI for smoking weed and driving, even if recreational pot is legal. People seem to forget that you can get a DUI driving under the influence, just being uh, impaired by all sorts of legal medicines that we already have at our disposal right now. I mean, why is it that this is more rhetorical in nature? How long do you believe it will take before the public, the general public, will catch up and get up to speed, no pun intended, in regarding uh, regarding marijuana use. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about in this last year, actually the arrest, the very public arrest of Tiger Woods, may be playing into this right. a little bit because so many people saw the police dash cam video of a clearly impaired Woods, and we later found out that his statement was true, that he had no alcohol in his system, but it was prescription legal medication but that still was a driving under the influence so even things that are legal it can be a prescription medication it can be legal marijuana that we'll have in the state in a couple of days but if you are impaired you still could get a dui i have read and please correct me if i'm wrong andrew that not only are drivers not supposed to use marijuana while in the car but passengers are not either in the sense of smoking for obvious reasons that the driver can be impacted by someone else's smoke. Have you read the same? I don't have specifics about whether it's allowed in vehicles. I guess I could check into that and follow up with you. But one of the interesting bits about this enforcing the DUI, really in talking with police officers, they say there's one distinction between driving under the influence of alcohol and marijuana. Both will go through field sobriety tests, but the the difference, of course, is that you can do a blood alcohol content for alcohol, whereas no such thing exists for marijuana. So uh, someone suspected of being under the influence or impaired by marijuana will have to go through this field sobriety, but there's no way to get an actual, say, .08 reading like you could with alcohol. I know that in Washington and Colorado they've been trying to develop tests, so I know the science will eventually catch up to that. But to your point, my biggest concern is 
people thinking like you have indicated that because it's legal, therefore we can do it in any and all places. Have the CHP or I should say law enforcement more generally gone about educating people as far as not being able to smoke in public? I think they've seen we've seen things like putting things out on their Twitter and their Facebook accounts and even now with the freeway signs. But again, it it does seem like this has kind of come up on a lot of people quickly. It hasn't been that long since the vote. And uh, now people are thinking about the holidays. And suddenly next Monday, uh, everything becomes legal in the state and working out the dispensaries and the licenses and the taxes. So in a sense, it has come about quickly. And I think as we saw in other states, uh, Washington and Colorado in particular, uh, after legalization, then there was all sorts of a fallout afterwards of what sorts of tweaks do we need to make, what sort of uh, public health concerns are there. So it may well be that, of course, it becomes legal Monday, but then there are all sorts of issues that we learn about after that need to be addressed. I always wonder about the unintended consequences. There's two sides to this. There's also the medicinal marijuana, the legal recreational dispensaries, which are now also in the equation. And there's also what people will be doing at home where where I read, A person is only allowed to grow some six plants or so forth. Have you heard anything in regard to how home use or home growth will be regulated by law enforcement? Well, I can tell you that uh, no officer is going to show up at the door and start knocking and check if you have seven plants instead of six. (laughs) But we've seen that in some other states and jurisdictions as well, Washington, D.C. being one of those that allowed for home growth. And uh, that went really pretty well. I happened to be back in D.C. at that time when legalization took effect there and uh, didn't run into any situation in which uh, some law enforcement officer uh, showed up at the door to look inside. Uh, So that would be probably more of a a rare circumstance. But it is something that if people choose to do at home, uh, they can do legally. That always struck me as odd where they want to put limitations on how many plants that you'll grow, but because presumably those plants will generate seeds and then which will lead to other plants. And so how is it that you're allowed to grow them, but then you must moderate how many plants that you actually have at this point? It's all very strange to me how this is going to be laid out and also prosecuted going forward. I don't expect you to have the answer, Andrew, but it's just a fascinating time to be in California. Are there any other comparisons or parallels as you see it between California and D.C. or Colorado and Washington? Well, with some of the other states, uh, I'm thinking of uh, D.C. in particular, just because I can speak to that, having uh, been there as a reporter and covering the transition, what they first did is they decriminalized it, and then secondly, they made it uh, legal. And so here in California, uh, we've had, of course, uh, medical marijuana, but now it becomes legal for recreational use. And that's different with uh, some other states that have considered decriminalizing for a variety of reasons. One is uh, the apparent biases and arrests of uh, different people groups. Uh, But here in California, it's going to be somewhat uh, unique. Well, a small number of states have gone so far as making it legal for recreational use. Andrew Malabek, KFI reporter. Andrew, are you wearing a tie right now? No, I've got a sweater and open collar today. Wow, you are really slacking. Holiday light. You are really slacking, and you disappoint me, and I'm ashamed to even know you. You are always in a tie, man. I am, I am. You know, you gotta get, got to look good on radio. <laughs> well, we appreciate you and all that you do. Thank you so much, Andrew Mollenbeck, reporter Thanks, for Mal- KFI. We'll talk again soon. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. When we come back, I'm going to give you some other laws which are going to come into effect January 1. You better get ready for them. KFI AM 640. You know you can't keep the
It's the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Luke Kelly in for Gary and Shannon KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. There are hundreds of new laws coming your way January 1st. And they're not all new in the sense of completely new. They could be modifications of existing laws, but they're still new in terms of how you will have to moderate or just watch over your own behavior. But it's also good to know the laws which may not directly apply to you, but may affect someone close to you. And I broke them up into different categories. So I just want to run through some that jumped out at me, which I found notable on some level. And I'm quite sure Blake and Joey and Monica will probably chime in if they hear something which seems rather strange to them or may identify with them on some level. Let me start with crime and punishment. No California school employee can carry a concealed weapon onto campus. Now, this is a change from the former rules in which school officials had discretion over the issue. And the issue here is a concealed weapon. I'm quite sure these schools will still have school security and 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 they'll have actual police officers at certain schools. But as far as a concealed weapon goes, that will not be allowed. Here's something which I find very fascinating. Anyone who willfully recorded a video of a violent attack that was streamed on a site such as Facebook could receive additional punishment in a California court of law. Anyone who willfully recorded a video. How can you unwillfully record a video? Well, sometimes people have like a... A lot of people put like GoPros on their helmets, on their motorcycle, or on their car, or something like that. So it might not be an intentional recording. Like you kind of just record everything that's happening, and you might be stopped at a fight or a, or a road rage yeah. incident or something like that. Yeah, that could be that. But also, is the supposition then that I'm supposed to do something or I didn't do something? If I willfully recorded a violent video, I'm recording a crime. I get that, but I also served as a witness or reported it to the police, how am I somehow shirking my duties as a citizen? How does me filming this video put me subject to some sort of civil penalty? Right. When did you become obligated to not record it? Yeah. Now, the key here is also streaming it on a site such as Facebook. In other words, showing it publicly. Is it live streams? Like It, it, didn't, say, it didn't say live stream. It just said streamed on a site such as Facebook. Will those sites get in trouble then for having it? Like, is that an issue? Like, because what's going to happen to Worldstar? That's the basis of Worldstar. Worldstar. Yeah. yeah. It's nothing but fights. Right. Nothing but fights. And funny videos. And people I'm not going to lie. I love Worldstar. It's hard for me to watch Worldstar <laughs> some days. It's really difficult for me because I look at, wow, our society sucks. I just love I when you're seeing a video on Facebook of something that's like a serious incident and you just hear someone in the back and go, world star? Like, that's the greatest thing. Because <laughs> they know exactly where yeah. it's going to end up. <laughs> on world star. <laughs> Moving on. No juvenile offenders have to serve life without parole. And those already behind bars would be become eligible for release after 25 years. In other words, let's say you're convicted of murder at 17. They cannot sentence you to life without parole. I guess I agree with that. I guess so. I understand the argument that the mind is not fully formed and so forth, but I'd have to think about that one. Local officials can now make illegal open carry of unloaded shotguns and rifles in urban unincorporated areas 
places not covered an existing ban on carrying handguns in public places. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Commuting. You can't smoke or consume marijuana in any way while driving or riding in a car. Okay, goes back to what I was talking about with Andrew Mullenbeck. You could be fined $20 for not wearing a seatbelt on a commercial bus. I'm not talking about a school bus, but I'm talking about like a charter. They have seatbelts? On those charter buses, I guess, on Mm. commercial ones. On the Greyhounds and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so if they have seatbelts, you have to wear them. Drivers for ride-hail companies like Lyft and Uber can be cited for DUI if their blood alcohol content is .04. Drivers? Drivers. That's great. Lyft and Uber drivers. Correct. Yeah. And they also need only a single permit to drive anywhere in California. And my favorite, they're now going to crack down on Californians who are misusing the disabled driver placards. Oh, <laughs> Finally, coming, huh? <laughs> yes. Wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with you, and you're using your grandmother's placard. It's obvious because you're too lazy to park your car at the other side of the parking lot. Let's go to health. Californians with HIV can no longer be charged with a felony for exposing a partner to the disease. I am so against this. This is like it strikes me as just evil, almost. I mean, especially when you know yes. you're aware of your status. It's Murder, tantamount to murder, really. Especially if you know about your status and you don't reveal it to your partner. Yeah. Farm animals in California can no longer be given antibiotics without a veterinarian's prescription. Was this a black market? People just giving out (laughs) antibiotics to farm animals? I guess so. (laughs) The trench coat, yeah. Hazardous chemicals and cleaning products have to be clearly identified on labels and online. Duh. Duh. Let me go to immigration real quick before we go to this break. A landlord can face civil penalties for threatening to report, threatening to report a renter to federal immigration authorities. It's the threat, not the action. So I guess if I'm reading this correctly, you can go ahead and report. Report all you want. Don't blackmail them. Right. Right. To get your rent. It now takes a warrant from a judge for federal agents to come to someone's workplace on an immigration raid. And employers can be fined for not giving workers a 72-hour notice that those agents will be inspecting employee records. Well, that doesn't make it a raid anymore. If they're, te- if they're telling them 72 hours in advance, that's not a raid. That's an appointment. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk.